what what have you done with your time uh not appropriate to discuss that as part of this podcast so <laughs> is it an, anything related to a, a certain hub being uh free for premium access uh, it's i don't know i have never heard of that website before so i have to check it out oh uh, yeah definitely, uh, definitely. This, this hub website yeah We've come to embrace the term social distancing from the Centers for Disease Control. That means avoiding group gatherings, plus crowded subways and buses. Social distancing in action. Social distancing. Social distancing. Social distancing. The new coronavirus buzz phrase. Yes, the buzz phrase of the moment is social distancing, also known as don't breathe on me, bitch. Adios and vacuum yeah, I'm leaving GA. There was just no way that China was going to stop showing the NBA because it was so freaking popular. You know, because they were just like, there's too many fans. Yeah. Like, they're not going to be like... watching the CBA? Yeah, we are going to watch? There's only so much Jeremy Lin you can watch, all right? And uh, Jimmer Fredette, they, they, these guys can watch, okay? So... Son and roll a big fat one and, and grab my guitar and play. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in to the EWB Podcast. This is your host, Emil Wang, coming to you with part six of the social distancing series. And for today, we drive down I-15 from Las Vegas to uh, the L.A. area, Orange County, VOC, to talk to my Don't man, James Lee. <laughs> to talk to my man, James Lee. How, how are you? Don't call it that. Please don't call it that. Please don't call it that. <laughs> How's it going, man? I, I have not talked to you in the longest time because there's been no basketball played. Yeah, no basketball for what? Like, well, man, I already lost track. Like five weeks now. Yeah. How, how have you handled the social distancing? I mean, I, I know uh, I talked to Jeff Liu a little bit, but that was almost over a month ago. What's uh, Southern California like these days? I mean, it's fine. I mean, you know, just like kind of everywhere else and along the West Coast here, people doing their part but you know still a lot of dumbasses out there so and, and from what that's you're a telling different... me I, I i may have to call the cops on uh, the neighbors in 92 strawberry lane yeah this is ridiculous like oh our backyard uh, the, the house is behind us yeah so but that's a whole different uh story for a different podcast so a <laughs> podcast just... that doesn't exist yeah hey, so. wh- wh- why don't you stick your head over the fence uh and cough, cough yeah yeah and then uh you know Maybe I should just uh, make sure that they see that I'm Asian, and then that's perfect. And then, and then the Genio James Leon never contributed to the EWB podcast ever again. Yeah, <laughs> and he was arrested. Yeah. Well, I'm um, still super glad to have you here today, even though there is no basketball going on. Um, you and I have been talking for a very long time about doing a uh, a watch party for some of the some of the classic GSW games. So. For you listeners that want to stick around for the last, oh, you know, hour and a half, two hours, you'll get to hear some play-by-play uh, in real-time commentary of the Game 6 uh, Warriors upset of the Dallas Mavericks in Round 1 of the 2007 NBA Finals, which is probably the second greatest Warrior game of uh, all time that you know you and I have lived through anyway. Um, so super excited to get into that. But you and I haven't really talked much ever since... Um, 
you know, as the season kind of winded down uh, towards this COVID suspension, if you will, a couple things that we still have to talk about, starting with uh, Andrew Wiggins. I mean, we had a good sample size of games with him. Uh, I think it was something like eight or nine games. What were your initial impressions? I think he started off good. Um, I think his efficiency started off really good. Um, so we were kind of uh, very positive about that. But I think ultimately it kind of reverted back as the season progressed. So he was actually not, in my opinion, not playing super well offensively. Um, you know, and I think that will come with time. But, you know, defensively, he's been much better than I think uh, we expected. We knew we were going to get somebody who had the tools to be a good defender, but never really had the effort level to uh, become like a plus positive defender. So, I mean, he's solid, but, you know, for him to become like a somebody that you could, you know, throw on the best wing player every night, you know, and that's what we're hoping that he becomes. And I think there was a lot of positives in uh, from the defensive side um, the last uh, couple of games. So he was really, really starting to play well on that side of the ball, I yeah. felt like. Yeah, he, he. I felt like he used his length well for um, contesting shots. He got a lot of blocks, got a good amount of steals and deflections. His rebounding wasn't great, and that's something that I think Tim Kawakami pointed out even before we actually, uh, I think it was after we traded for him, but before he had played a game, was that the dude doesn't rebound well for a guy yeah, who's subpar rebounder. Yeah. yeah, and you know that's always one of those. Well, he, he it could have just been you know that how he, you know where he was on defense that kind of put him out of position for rebounding. My best example is always Roni Turiaf, who was, you know, a, a very, very good weak side help defender, which made him a very, very bad rebounder. Um, I think they, they were saying the same thing about Willie Cauley-Stein, who he got a lot of a bad rap for being a poor uh, rebounding center. And his response was, well, you know, look at the, the, the defensive schemes in Sacramento, you know, like, look who I had to help. Like, look at all the times I had to help off the ball. Um to, you know, and, and be put out of position to, to, to get rebounds. So it, it could be the same thing with Wiggins. I mean, granted, you know, not that he was ever a great defender himself, uh, and he wasn't much of a help defender in, in the many days, but when, you know, your your guard lineup is like a injured Derrick Rose, a Jeff Teague, and I don't know who the fuck they else, who else played for them, but, you know, it, it, was, it was just never a good defensive lineup out there. Yeah, I mean, defense, I mean, from a rebounding perspective, I mean, that's totally accurate. I mean, he just was never, um, he averages four and a half rebounds for his career, which for somebody at the three position is just way too low. Like that should be, um, you know, six Five to seven. Six, yeah. 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 It should be six, maybe seven. If you're a good rebounder, seven to eight, if you're a good rebounder at that position, but for like that's subpar numbers. And, um, you know, it's it's not even just looking at the numbers because they were saying like, you know, the example with, with you know, Kali Stein and stuff. But, you know, the eye test is, just shows that he has very low effort level when trying to box out and stuff. So, like, that's a problem. It's not just the uh, the numbers kind of back up the eye test, too, for me when I'm watching Wiggins, like, you know, trying to get defensive rebounds and stuff. He's um, a skinny guy, too. Yeah. So he gets pushed out of position and then he doesn't really make you know, good attempts to recover or box people out. So that's something he has to work on because, you know, he's already shown a lot of good improvement uh, on ball defense, help defense. And then, you know, like you said, challenging shots and, you know, using his length, that that's all good. But the next step is, Hey, how do you finish off the, the position, the possession, you know, you've got to get the rebound. And we need him to give him to grab, you know, whatever rebounds we can get. Cause I mean, 
uh, especially when we're playing small. It's like, you know, you need rebounders. That's what made Harrison so great at the small. Like, he was a good rebounder uh, in the small ball lineups. Um, you know, Harry B. And then, you know, KD is a good rebounder. So, you know, it's just you if you're going to be at the three position, you're going to have to be uh, at least, you know, good five and a half, six rebounds a game. Yeah, especially if you're sliding over to the four in that in that death lineup. With, yeah, exactly. Even yeah. at the four, yeah, we need him up to like seven if he's going to play extensive minutes at four. You know. Yeah. yeah, but you know, knowing Kerr and knowing how Draymond's body is is wearing down, you know, we really can't. I don't anticipate too much of the death lineup moving forward. And a lot of that death lineup was um, relied on Iggy being that that additional playmaker. And yeah. Wiggins isn't quite a, a playmaker. Um, he's, he's kind of like, he reminds me of kind of a heat check guy who, you know, can come off the bench and get you like a, a lot of good drives to the hoop. He's, he's a great finisher. Oh man. He's such a good finisher. Or, yeah. He's or maybe, crafty. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it's just cause we watched fucking Alex Burks and like, you know, uh, Kai Bowman for the whole year. How dare you? How dare you slander Sky Bowman like that, dude? He, hey, Sky Dame, Bowman, Dame, he just Dame goes Dame for the jam, right? <laughs> Dame Lillard called him a very underrated defender, so um, he gets to put that under his belt. Hey, you know, honestly, Kai, he plays hard. Like, he knows he's very limited, you know, on uh, on defense, so he's just like, I'm going to, like, haul ass, full court press, like, the whole thing, you know? He doesn't, he doesn't give a fuck, dude, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, last thing about Wiggins, uh, corner threes. I, I thought he did pretty well, and I remember you showing me some stats when the league, when the season was still going on, and uh, those numbers looked pretty good. You, what you really want to get him away from is the uh, above the break threes. Like he's just not good at them, but he's shown that he can shoot um, the corner three at like a league average or above league average rate, and that's what you really need him to do. Like if if he can hit the short corners, then that is going to help us a lot because there was a lot of sets that we used to run with Harrison when he would camp out in the corners because he also had much better percentages in the corners. So um, it's going to allow us to do a lot of uh, similar things that we used to do with Harrison. So Especially if he's catching passes uh, or playing off of Stephen Clay, right? There's no way that it's going to get any worse. Yeah. (laughs) Um, at, at least no way it's going to get worse uh, from you know who he plays with now. Which at the end of the season it was like playing with uh, <laughs> uh, Eric Pascal and like who's our best player and uh, Kai Bowman, Jordan Poole, um, who's uh, got Pargo, Kai, J- Jeremy Pargo, baby, let's <laughs> Jeremy go, Pargo. Yeah, so many just random names that uh, that that came up at the end. That uh, what was he like thirty five already or what? Yeah. He was on the team. Oh, dude, yeah. I was like, man, that guy's still in the league. Like at first, I was thinking of Gennaro Pargo, um, who that's who, his brother. Yeah, yeah, who was like a Laker, I remember. But the, the the number of guys that we saw at the end of the season was ridiculous. Uh, but hey, Mikael Mulder, great pickup. Michael, Michael Mulder. Oh, it's Michael. Michael. Oh, Michael. <laughs> Michael. Such a, such a howdy do that. <laughs> um, once the season and uh, the future gets a little bit more hammered out, I think James and I will do a little bit 
more of a uh, next season preview since the this season's you know for those of you who haven't been paying attention is basically over regardless of if the season starts up again. I don't think the Warriors are going to be trying very hard. Two other things related though. First of all, the draft. Assuming things stay the way they are right now, the Warriors would be would have flattened odds to have the number one pick um, and a guaranteed top five pick. Correct. From what we're seeing and hearing is that really this draft is not very impressive. The top three names are Wiseman, uh, Anthony Edwards, and um, and Lamelo Ball. And apparently Wiseman and Lamelo Ball are both you know absolute no nos for this Golden State team, which leaves Anthony Edwards, who's a scoring guard, um, you know six seven, good size. I I haven't heard much about him, other than that. Uh, I'm not sure what you've you've seen or heard. I mean, it's the same thing, right? Just, um, you know, the, the comparison is like for like Anthony Edwards, I've only really seen the, uh, because there's also no uh, NCAA tournament this year. So yeah. you couldn't see a lot of these guys. I think the comps that Edwards was getting was like Eric Gordon, Dion Waiters type of guy. Like mm-hmm. if that's the ceiling, like that's, you know, pretty solid. But I mean, he is by no means is going to be like some superstar player or he doesn't project to be. Yeah, you it's know. not even an all-star. Like, a number two. Yeah, pick but, be. but I mean, yeah, but that's how, like, weak this draft is. There's no, like, runaway all-star level. Every player is just, like, there's so many deficiencies. Um, And then Edwards is, you know, he's he's got good size. I think that's why people really like him. Like, you know, he's 6'5", actually, with a 6'9 wingspan. 225, so he's a big dude. So that's mm-hmm. why where the, the Dion and the Eric Gordon uh, comps come in, because they're a little bulkier, you know. And then for a guy that's doing 19 and have that size already, like that's where he's really, really good. But, you know, he wasn't super impressive. And even just the highlights and stuff like that, like, you know, shooting is, is not dynamic or anything like that. So, um, you know, he, he's, he's right now just, you know, not much of a jump shot, like drives to the rim, attack the rim, using his physicality and stuff like that. So, yeah. hey, you know, that is kind of reminds me of uh, Eric Pascal. A little yeah. bit. So. I was going to say we already have a Pascal, um, yeah, a, a kind of a ball stopper. He's like a smaller, smaller version of that. Um, and then, but I, I don't know because there's, um, you know, there's so many different guys that are, uh, kind of the, the. I feel like the, the, the consensus so far is that the draft kind of falls flat afterwards. So if you draft from like, you know, four to ten, it's just like, you basically there's no like, oh, you got to take best available, or whatever. It's like everyone's pretty much the same. You just okay, what do you need? Who's the team drafting? What are your needs? You know, yeah. and which is yeah. why you're trading down might not be a terrible idea, right? Trade the number one pick for the number five, the number six for, you know, their pick and an asset. Um, especially if we really don't need a number one to play like a number one. Um, and yeah. I think Yen and I were talking about this, but our, our roster is already pretty well set, even without yeah. a number one pick. You know, if, you, if they – and that's really up to, you know, kind of the Warriors, their own big board, right? Where do they think they want to bolster? Because there's a couple of wings that um, – you know, and there's a couple of bigs if they want to do that. Um, like Halliburton, I think, was one guy. And then, like, hey, Killian Hayes is like a wing, um, you know. So there's a couple of guys that, you know, wings or centers and stuff that are, um, you know, all top ten prospects. So, you know, I think if we were to – uh, drop down, then yeah, those would be the kind of guys that would be targeting, right? It's like, hey, do we want to bolster the wing depth? 
you know, because all we have is kind of really Wiggins right now. It's like if we don't get land somebody, like if we don't re-sign Robinson or something like that, then wing depth is pretty slim. So it might be might be something to consider when you can draft a guy who's 19 and can become serviceable for you, maybe. Well, and that kind of leads me to my last point, uh, which is using the trade exception. But before, but kind of related to that would be salary cap implications, uh, especially with the season shutting down and these concerns of you know NBA revenue. All of this affects what the salary the salary cap is going to be next year, right? Yeah, all of this is going to ultimately uh, determine what the cap is going to be because they have projections and stuff done previously, but obviously they didn't account for a full shutdown of the season. So that affects the overall basketball related income, the BRI, because the BRI is used to determine the salary cap. So the overall amount of basketball related income that comes in, um, and then they have a formula to determine how much of that based on that number is going to be, you know, what the salary cap is going to be set at. Right, which is why also earlier in the year, the whole China relations fiasco was also a big deal. That they said, you know, that one Daryl Morey tweet that said, we stand with Hong Kong, they were saying that that tweet alone could have ruined the salary cap because China, you know, accounts for something like 10% or something of the of the NBA's uh, revenue. Yeah, and the other problem is that those were, um, I think, also grossly, like, overestimating because – there was just no way that China was going to stop showing the NBA because it was so freaking popular overseas. Like, it's so popular over there. Like, they were just, like, kind of, like, flexing a little bit and start pulling some games. And then eventually they started putting all the games back just minus the Rockets games. You know, because they were just like, there's too many fans. Yeah. Like, they're not going to be, like... watching the CBA? Yeah, we are you going to watch? There's only so much Jeremy Lin you can watch, all right? And uh, Jim or Fredette, they, they, these guys can watch, okay? So... Um, but yeah, like that's that's what it that's what it is because it, it affects overall basketball related income. So that this shutdown is going to do the same thing. Now this is going to have a much more catastrophic effect on the overall uh, cap. So there, it's almost a certain it's going to go down. Uh, but now it's a question of how much. Like we don't know until they run the numbers and stuff in the off season. Uh, but yeah, it's not looking good. It's it's most likely. I think everyone was saying like fifteen percent or something like that's going to drop. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah, and that affects us because we can still use the trade exception because we won't be hard capped anymore. But the problem is the penalty will will hit us a lot sooner. Um, it, yeah, it, it, like I'm I'm understanding that correctly, right? Yeah, we'll we'll yeah. be penalized a lot sooner. So um, it's almost a certain it, it's almost certain that we're going to be paying, you know. Uh, four times or three times what that trade exception is if we do acquire a player that is the full value of that trade exception so are we really going to be paying you know what 50 million dollars for 50 million dollars a year just to have Thaddeus Young or um, you know Dario Saric like I I don't see it happening anymore yeah well not for the full amount right so it's Mm -hmm. like if you can get somebody for a fraction of the trade exception which you can do doesn't have to be the entire you know 17 mil for from the iggy contract but Mm -hmm. uh but yeah it could just be you know somebody for like eight nine million because that's all we can afford and that's why it was so critical for us this year to duck under the salary tax line because now you are next year when we are going to absolutely pay the tax especially now with the the decreased bri uh, we are 100 going to pay the tax um and that means 
you will not be a repeater tax. So that's huge because the savings, that's going to make it a lot more palatable for them to sign or get somebody via that trade exception. So. Makes sense. Well, James, always good to have you on to talk about these things since you are the uh, you're the salary cap expert, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Been awesome uh, talking the the current state of the Golden State Warriors, but on to more very much more exciting things. A, a in real time commentary of Game Six of the We Believe Golden State Warriors upset over the Dallas Mavericks in 2007. I'm super stoked about this. We will yeah, I uh, you know I don't think I have uh, rewatched any significant portion of this. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the clips and stuff like that, but yeah, yeah. not Usually it's just the third the quarter. Thing. Um, but, yeah, Will, I am super pumped for this. And uh, EW Beers, uh, strap in, uh, open up your YouTube. Hopefully you can still find this. We believe Game 6. Uh, I'll post the link in the, in the episode so you can follow along if you're curious. Uh, otherwise, I'll have a little bit of the audio in the background and... Uh, You'll kind of be able to follow on there as if it's you know some some kind of radio broadcast. But here we go. And for those that didn't notice in the episode description, part two of this episode was actually pushed back until early May. Definitely come back and check it out. Um, it, it's a really fun episode, especially for those who want to take a walk down memory lane for one of the greatest playoff runs in the history of basketball. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Some Jaeger and I'll grab my guitar and play.